We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 19 with us this morning. We're going to read just the first five verses. As you're turning there, just let me tell you, I love the international community. This is a very diverse group of people here. Can I just be honest with you guys? Can I be honest with you with no one getting offended? All white churches scare me. I love diversity. Amen. My church, we have, we have 33 nations represented in our church. We have 22 languages that are spoken. You see, how do you communicate? Well, we, we like sign language. It's pretty good. Uh, that's a joke, by the way. Uh, all of our services are bilingual. Our church in uh, Brussels is English-French. Our church in uh, Antwerp is Dutch-French. So, uh, uh, my French is not very good, but I have to speak it every week. And uh, I also speak Netherlands. Because uh, I live in a Dutch-speaking city. In main church in Antwerp is Netherlands Praten. And so I have to use Dutch in, uh, in our church in Antwerp as well. So, uh, listen, don't be too impressed because I'm sure the folks watching online that work with me in Belgium are laughing at my accent, uh, in pronunciation right now. Um, but I love diversity. Amen? Amen. Luke chapter 19. And don't, don't worry folks, we're gonna get to the buffet before the Baptists do. You guys ready? All right, Luke chapter 19, we're going to begin in verses 1 through 5, we're going to beginning in verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was the chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed into a tree, into a sycamore tree, to see him. For he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your place. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you speak to us today. Lord, please be with Pastor and Yvonne as they travel. And Lord, we ask for divine appointments and connections for them on this day. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Hey, give your neighbor a high five and say, Pastor Bill looks smaller. Come on. Come on, just prophesy it right now. He looks smaller. In Jesus' name. <laughs> How many guys have ever been frustrated? Well, let me give you my definition of frustration because this is an important part of the message. My, desi- my definition of frustration is simply this. When your desire is greater than your circumstances. Now, I want that to sit in for a moment. When your desire is greater than your circumstances. How many of you have things you want to do, but you can't? Voila, everybody say frustrated. Well, <clears throat> maybe I can give you a couple examples of frustration. How many of you have children? <laughs> Somebody over here said, uh uh-uh. How many of you have children? Raise your hand. How many ever say, get up? And they don't. Take out the trash? And they don't. Be quiet? And they don't. Be home at 10 o'clock? And they... Come on, make somebody want to pray in tongues. Come on now. Amen. Your desire is greater than your circumstances. How many of you have ever been in a traffic jam? Come on now. How many of you just lose your salvation right there? Right now, try driving in Brussels. The worst traffic in all of Europe is Brussels, Belgium. I tell you, I, I, whew, my tongue starts to sound like curse words. Come on now. <laughs> now, here's one. Here's one that might hit home. 
How many of you are frustrated when your Seminoles, when they get beat by my beloved Gators? Come on now. <laughs> there goes the offering, Ann. It's going. <laughs> we all face these seasons of frustration, but the reality is you're never going to be in any station of life that you don't face frustration. How many guys agree with that? It was Zig Ziglar that said this. He said, there's three types of people's, people in life. There are those that are managers. Now, managers are people that just maintain. Whatever was given to them, they don't improve it. They don't decrease it. They just maintain it. There's those that are museum keepers. And those are people that they just want to preserve the past, right? They just keep holding on to the past, just hoping that we can go back to that place. But then there's the pioneers, now, pioneers are those, they have to tackle new territory. Come on, guys. Pioneers are the ones that they see things before it's manifested. And they have the desire and the unction and the faith and the boldness to go after it. Now, how many of you guys want to be pioneers? Right? Well, let me tell you something. If you have a desire to be a pioneer, you are inviting frustration to enter into your life. I mean, we have a need right now. We, I'm telling you guys, our church in Brussels, it is busting at the seams. We have about 130 people. I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but the average church size in, in Belgium is about 26 people. And so we have about 130 people, 40% of them are new believers, and we desperately need a new building. By the way, <clears throat> we've been talking about going to two services, and they are fighting me like you wouldn't believe, like, like I'm calling World War III on. And when I started to listen to their hearts, I realized it. We have three indigenous culture groups in Belgium. We have French-speaking Wallonians. We have Dutch-speaking Vlaanderen. And we have uh, the Deutschmen, the, the Germans that live on the Belgian side. Our church is the one place that brings them all together. They're segregated everywhere else except when they come to our church. And they, so when they see two services, they don't see that as a promotion. They see that as a division. And so believe me, folks, you're looking at a frustrated pastor because we need a new building. But my desire is greater than my circumstances. How many guys understand that, right? When we come to this passage of scripture, we see a guy that was frustrated now, first of all, his name is Zacchaeus. The Bible tells us three things about him. First of all, he was a wealthy man. Did you guys read that? He was a man that was rich. Number two, he was a man of short stature. Number three, he was a tax collector. Now, how many of you guys just love your tax collectors? Well, he wasn't only a tax collector, he was one assigned by the Romans. He was known for not being honest in the way he collected taxes. This is how he amassed his wealth. So he was not very much liked. That's going to be later in the message. But he was not liked well in his community. This is really all that we know about him. But we can see in verse 3 that he had a desire to change his life. He had a desire because in verse 3 it tells us that he wanted to see Jesus. And so he went to where the crowd was, but what was the problem? What was it? Too short, right? He wants to see Jesus, but the crowd is in front of him, and he's too short. Now, how many of you guys know that's frustration, right? That's frustration. So how many of you ever been frustrated? Well, we're going to learn from Zacchaeus today on how to break through those, those frustrating moments. Will this help anybody? 
All right. Now, the first thing is this, and you can write this down with me if you want. If you want something different, you have to do something different. Now, folks, don't worry. I, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm a pretty simple preacher. I, it's not rocket science, right? But let me bring it down to the word for you. If you want something different, you got to do something different. Now, how many of you consider yourself one of very strong character? And when we say that in, in Europe, we mean a person who's hard to change their mind, a difficult person to speak to, and one whose determination often gets them in trouble. Now, how many of you ever consider yourself one of strong character? All right, okay. Not a lot of hands going up. Let me help you out. How many of you guys know somebody that is a strong character? Uh-huh, more hands are going up. How many of that, is that person next to you today? Don't lift your hand. Don't tell us, okay. <laughs> now this is, this is, Zacchaeus could have been one of those people that had that strong determination that he doesn't care what's in front of him. He could have just pushed right through the crowd. He could have been yelling, pushing people to the left, pushing people to the right until he got up to the front because by God, he wanted to see Jesus. You know, he could have done that. He could have. But thank God he didn't. He could have done it. And when he got to the front, how many of you know it's a very good possibility that Jesus would have already passed by? Instead of fighting the crowd, he made an adjustment. By the way, the title of the message is Adjustment Required. He made an adjustment. He moved to a tree and he climbed up that tree so that he could see Jesus. How many of you, goes, how many of you know that that adjustment made all the difference in the world, right? See, often we keep doing the same thing over and over again. We keep expecting the different result every time we do it, but we still keep getting the same results. This is the very definition of insanity, and it certainly defines frustration. There's often you have to realize you can't change people. Got to make an adjustment. You're going to have to realize that you can't change your circumstances, so you got to create new circumstances. How many guys understand? Right? It's, adjustment is going to be required in life if you're going to go to new places. Adjustment is going to be required in life if you're going to get different results than what you've always been getting. And Zacchaeus, he made those adjustments. Now, that brings us to point number two. Now, how many of you guys know your motives, they're important? How many of you guys realize that? I just did a whole series on tithing, first time that we've ever done it. In fact, I've been a little bit leery because a lot of church folks, uh, or, or Europeans, have, they view the Catholic Church as money hungry and that's all they want. We just keep an offering basket in the back. We mention it at the end of our service and our pastoral team said, Pastor, you've got to teach on it. So finally, you know, six years in, I finally get up and we teach on it. By the way, our, our tithes and offerings doubled and it stayed that way ever since we started teaching it. But I didn't teach it from the perspective of, of, of tithing. I, I, I taught it from the perspective of stewardship. And how many know everything belongs to him, right? And we steward it. In fact, the definition of stewardship is, is doing what the owner expects you to do with it. It's that simple, right? If you, God has gifted you, use it for his purpose. If he's blessed you financially, use it for his purpose, Right? But in one of those messages in that series, I talked about motivation. That if you're giving just to get, how many of you guys know that's the wrong motivation? Right? Come on, guys. Is that right? Your motive is important. And Zacchaeus, 
His motive when he climbed up that tree was not to be seen. His motive was not so that Jesus could see him. His motive was so he could see Jesus. And what happened? Well, Jesus calls out and says to him, Zacchaeus, hurry up, get off that tree. I'm going to your house today. Now, how many of you know his motive had everything to do with that? I got to tell you, you know, I have, I, I, have the frust- I have the frustration and the blessing to raise up young men. Not only young men for ministry, but just young men in general. You know, we're, we're huge about mentoring and discipling in our ministries. It's a, it's a major part of what we do. And I'm telling you, I got guys that come to me, and they might have a great idea. But if we discern that their motive is wrong, we're going to put that on hold. Because we're more concerned about their character than their gift. We're more concerned about their character than what they can contribute to what we do as a ministry. Because their gift will open doors. Their character will keep them there. Think about that. So, motive is everything. You might be frustrated in life right now because your motive is not correct. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if your motive is wrong. But how many of you know that some people, they have the wrong motives? Now, if that person sitting next to you, raise your hand. No, no, don't do it. Right? First point is what? If you want something different, you have to do something different. The second point is your motives are important. Now let me say this just as a pause for a moment before we get to point three and four. Because this is where the conflict comes in. Two things that people avoid. Not only in life, but most Christians. People avoid conflict and change. Right? How many of you guys avoid conflict? How many of you avoid change? You just don't like the change. Now, isn't this the frustrating thing that in life, those are the two things that's always going to happen? You're always going to have conflict. Come on, guys. And change is always going to be required. In fact, one preacher said this. He said, a never-changing God is always requiring change in us. Is that right? Well, if you're going to make changes in your life... If you want something different, change is necessary. And change will often require conflict. So here's what I want you to hear. Point three and four. Number three, don't allow your circumstances to determine your pursuit. Let me say it again. Don't allow your circumstances to determine your pursuit. Now, we see again in verse three that Zacchaeus... He can't see the crowd, and we understand why, because of a short stature. Now, you know, some people can just stop right there, and they can just start complaining about why they can't do things. Well, I can't travel. I can't, I don't have enough education to do that. There's not enough finances to do that. Can I, can I tell you something? I've never had enough finances to do what we do. You kidding me? I've got 5,000 euros a month that I'm responsible for in buildings uh, only because my name's on those buildings. I've never had the money. We, we started, when we were given this opportunity to take over this coffee shop and there was a handful of people of an existing church plant and, and that door came to me, uh, I said no. You want to know why? We didn't have the money to pay the bills. We had the money to pay our bills. Didn't have the money to pay their bills. 
And my regional director, Harold Presley, he rebuked me and said, Bill, you better go back because this was your original vision for Antwerp was a coffee shop. So I went back. And, and you know what happens? Faith doesn't have answers. I'm going to say it one more time. Faith doesn't have answers. But faith does require action. Come on, folks. Amen. And listen, let me balance that out. Everybody say balance it, Pastor. Balance it. Listen, you can't have faith for something that God's not in. Faith is not about manipulating God. Faith is about believing God for what he said. There's a few different scriptures that talk about this. It talks about whatever you ask in my name, it will be accomplished, right? We read that, right? Well, let me be a Bible school teacher for a moment. Let me be a professor of theology for a moment. You can't take one scripture and build a doctrine. There's a thing called a continuity of scripture. That means God's word will never contradict itself. So you better go find the other scripture that says, ask anything in my name according to my will. Right? Well, it was evident to us that this was God's will for us to take the responsibility. 1,308 euros a month was the expenses uh, for that. But that doesn't sound like a lot it is for us. Uh, we just knew that God was saying, take it. And so if we didn't have any answers, Ann, we just had faith. Well, the first conversation I had with, with a pastor, and he called me. He called me and said, hey, I just want to know what's going on. Well, the church is doing great, and our network's doing great. We have an opportunity to plant a new church in Antwerp, a coffee shop. But the problem is it comes with a building. And he said, coffee shop. He backed up. You know, it's funny. Church didn't interest him. Coffee shop interested him. Coffee shop. He goes, you know what? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you $5,000 to help you with that project. First phone call. Well, I went to meet with one of the board members that was over the ministry before we took it over. And and I sat down with him and I've known him for, for 25 years. I said, Tom, I just want to know how you feel about this. And he said, Bill, I believe in so much God. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a thousand euros. First two conversations, right? See, we just had to say yes. You can't allow your, you you can't allow your circumstances to determine your pursuits. Come on, folks. Right? The reality is, if, if it's his vision and his purpose and his ministry, here's what we do. We just keep knocking on doors until he provides for it. Come on, folks. No, you got to know. I mean, I'm a negotiator. You got to know. We told the ministry before we took it over. We said, listen, we're interested, but I want to give you, I want eight weeks. I'll send teams to help you guys. I want eight weeks for us to figure out the finances. We were staging it in, right? October, it was done. All the finances was provided. But we had to say yes. We had to pursue. Come on, folks. And that's exactly what Zacchaeus did. He was a man of short stature. And, and, and again, as I mentioned, instead of fighting the crowd, he made an adjustment. He did not stop his pursuit because he couldn't see Jesus. Come on, folks. How many of you walk up and go, well, crowd's there. We gave it a shot. We'll just go on home now. Come on. How many of you guys are like that? Right? You got to realize that if God is... I, I met with a pastor this week. This, this rocked my world. I met with a pastor this week, my first day back in the States. And here's what he said to me. He said, Bill, an opportunity that is missed is an opportunity that is lost forever. How many of you guys know those Kairos moments? 
It's a Greek word for like now. Those, those God moments, those are precious. And they usually don't come back around. You got to take them as the, when they come. Amen? How many guys are with me? Right? So, <clears throat> number one, if you want something different, you got to do something different. Number two, your motive is what? Important. Number three, don't allow your circumstances to determine your pursuit. And number four, you guys ready for this? Don't allow the opinions of others to determine your pursuit. Don't allow the opinions of others to determine your pursuit. If you'll continue reading this, and I think if you get to verse 7, you'll see that people begin to criticize Jesus because he was going to a house of this publican tax collector. That just means that he was appointed by the Romans to be the tax collector. One who was known for not being honest with his business practices and taking things that didn't belong to him. You see, Zacchaeus could have simply said, you know what, Jesus, they're right. We're not worthy to have you in our home. We are bad people. He could have listened to the opinions of other people. And folks, I'm going to tell you, over the years, uh, I'm 47 years old, and I've been doing this a long time, about 20, 25, 26 years. I'm sorry, 28 years I've been doing this ministry thing. And there's been a lot of opinions over the years. There's been a lot of people that have tried to box me into their circle. But I'm going to tell you something. If you don't hear anything else today, you need to hear this. If you allow someone else to determine your world, if you allowed someone else to build your world, they'll build it too small every single time. Come on, folks. They'll build it too small every single time. You can't allow the opinions of other people to determine what God has called you to do because they're not the ones to make it successful. God is. Right? You know, God is not looking for your success. That's not the important thing. God's looking for your obedience. I'm going to say that one more time. I want you to hear that. God is not looking for your success. You know, in the world, we determine success by nickels, noses, and dimes, right? Nickels, money, noses, number of people, right? Names, people you know. Is that right? But God determines our success by our obedience. I have a friend who went up to New York. His name is Bob Abramson. He might be watching today. Dr. Bob Abramson, an amazing story. A Jewish man that came to faith. In fact, his daughter, you'll see on the Weather Channel on a regular basis. He's one of the commentators that's on there. And years ago, Dr. Bob and his wife, they went to the Fiji Islands. And I'm telling you, they were there for four years, and it was Book of Acts revival. Small, struggling church, just boomed over 400 people every night camp meeting revival atmosphere healings unbelievable testimonies of the supernatural that was happening i mean you could be writing the book of acts directly out of that experience and suddenly god said you're done you're done time to go didn't make sense no one understood it in fact i remember our pastor saying are you crazy look what god is doing no god's done They moved to New York. Well, they found out in New York that he had cancer. Well, it just happened to be he was a Vietnam vet. 
Everybody say obedience. And in New York at that time, the VA was partnering with John Hopkins Hospital. He had the best cancer doctors in the world treating him. And when they gave him six months to live, he just told the doctor, that's not going to happen. And I'm going to tell you, that was over 20 years ago. He's written 37 books, right? (laughs) Obedience. And during that time, they started a church in New York. And the church got up to about 50 or 60 people. And they had $100,000 in the bank. And suddenly God said, season's over. Close the church down. I'm just going to tell you as a church planter and a guy who, who, you know, we've planted six churches in the last five years within our network. We have planted over 20 with all of our training that we've done. I love church planting. My heart beats church plants and we believe in healthy church plants. Let me tell you, if you have 60 people and $100,000 in the bank, you don't close that church. You tell the pastor, thank you very much. We'll take it from here. But they closed the church. You know what they did? They gave the money away. I'm still mad at them. Because he didn't give me any of it. And, and they moved back down to South Florida. Well, he writes a book about this. It's called Just a Little Bit More. If you want to read it by Dr. Bob Abramson. Just a Little Bit More. He uh, writes a book about what happened after that journey. That church was not meant to be a longevity church in New York. It was a training center for the people that were there. People left that church and went to China, went to underground countries, went all over the world where he had to continue mentoring them over the internet in code because of the countries that they were in. And they are doing great exploits for God. The impact of that church was much greater outside of New York than it ever was inside of New York. And people would say, you're crazy. Why are you closing the church? You're crazy. Why are you doing that? Because if he would have kept the church, the people would have stayed and they never would have gone out to do their God-given assignments. Amen. It was his obedience that led to the greater impact for the kingdom of God. How many of you guys understand what I'm saying? Right? For those of you that are at lunch today, I'll tell you a little bit more about the Antwerp situation because there's a similar story about why we obtained that property. And so I just want to help you guys because I want you to know that ministry is not what we do every Sunday, although that's part of it. Many of you will never be called to be a missionary, a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist, apostle, God may might not call you to do those things, but he has called you and he's called you to be an influence. And if I was to define ministry, I would say that ministry is all about being an influence on other people. We have Filipino uh, ladies that serve in, in wealthy people's homes. They have a huge influence and impact on the people that they serve for the kingdom of God. Their obedience to that calling is as equal as mine. How many of you guys get what I'm saying? Amen. And so I want to encourage you today, don't allow frustration to define who you are. If you want something different, do something different. Evaluate your motives. What was point number three? Anyone? Don't allow your circumstances to determine your pursuit. And don't listen to the opinions of other people. Right? And those are everything that Zacchaeus did. Instead of fighting the crowd, he did something, crowd, he did something different, went to the sycamore tree. 
His motives was not to be seen. It was so that he could see Jesus. When people began to judge him, he didn't allow their opinions to determine his pursuit. And because of his short stature, he didn't allow his circumstances to determine his pursuit. How many of you guys want to be a Zacchaeus right now? Yeah, you know you all want it for the money. Come on, folks. Right. Does that help anybody today? I want to take a moment, if you could just close your eyes with me today, because I want to talk to two different groups of people in these last moments. And I just want to say that if you don't know Jesus, that's the first change you need to make in your life. And I want you to know that uh, many years ago, not growing up in a Christian home, at 15 years old, I gave my life to Jesus. I heard the preacher make an invitation And I knew that I needed a change in my life. And I'm just curious, how many of you are here today? And you would say, you know what, preacher? I'm living in a season of frustration. But I realize today, my life is not surrendered to Jesus. The Bible tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. He's the only way. So today, I'm just curious, how many of you are here? And you would say, that's me. I need a change in my life. And I need God to change it. I want to give my life to Jesus today. If that's you, just lift your hand to say, I need to give my life to Jesus. Anybody at all and say, that's me this morning. Anybody just lift your hand and leave it so I can see it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, man. Anybody else and say, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need a change in my life. Thank you so much. Two people. Anybody else and say, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. Would you pray with me today? There's two ladies that have lifted their hands today. Would you pray with me? Say, Jesus. Come on, say it with me. Say, Jesus. Today, I give you my life. Because you changed others' lives. I ask you to change mine. Today, I surrender. And I declare this today. You are the King of kings. The Lord of lords and the leader of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me say to you ladies, one's over here, one is in the back, that have raised your hand. Let me just say this. There's three things I tell people when they come to Jesus, and this is really important. Please listen. When you walk out of this place today, you might hear this voice in your head that said, that wasn't real. Well, it was. I heard the same voice when I gave my life to Jesus. And the Bible tells us that we don't fight against flesh and blood alone. But there's a spiritual battle that's going on, and that's who's trying to convince you that this wasn't real. But it was. He loved you enough to make sure that you were here today to give your life to Jesus. Number two, you need to tell the closest people in your life, I'm now a follower of Jesus. This is what I call the eviction notice. You just need to tell people, you're going to see a different person, you're going to see a different woman, you're going to see a different man, because today I've given my life to Jesus, and I expect that he's going to change my life. And then number three, and this is probably the most important, please listen to what I'm going to tell you, you got to find a good Bible-believing, life-giving church. And how many of you believe that Christian Heritage is one of those churches? Amen. So if you are just giving, if you're one of the two people that raised your hand to give your life to Jesus today, I'm encouraging you. This is a great place. Plug in. Get involved. Tell somebody. Because just today at our churches, both campuses, both of our campuses preach the same message. We work it together as a team. And just today, both of our campuses in Belgium, 
we're in a series called what now it's after easter so you've encountered jesus what now well today we talked about the value of christian friends and one of the points is this you'll never grow as a believer if you don't have christian friends how many guys believe that amen so that second group of people how many of you love jesus with all your heart how many of you are fire-breathing, devil-stomping, soul-winning, world-changing, turned-on, wild kind of Christian? Amen. But you face walls of frustration. You've allowed frustration to determine what you do with your life. But today you would like that to change. If that's you today, just stand up right where you're at saying, you know what, I'm tired of being sick and tired. I'm tired of frustration. I'm tired of facing the same walls. I want God to help me break through them. I need to do something different. I need to evaluate my motives. I need to stop allowing my circumstances to determine my pursuit. And I need to stop listening to the opinions of other people. People are going up all over today. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, it's your word that sets the captive free. Father, we thank you for the life-giving principles that we've learned from your word today. And Lord, I pray for the spirit of boldness, the spirit of courage. Lord, I pray that people will find the strength to move beyond their limitations. And Lord, we ask you in the name of Jesus, Lord, not to only give boldness, but to begin to supernaturally move the walls that are in front of us, Father God. Lord, give them discernment on what to do next. And Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that we are simply clay in your hands. Mold us for your purpose. Design us for your will. Lord, we want to serve you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. High five two people and say, that was for you today. Come on. High five two people and tell them that. a friend we have in Jesus and what a friend we have in Bill Schwartz. I'm so glad you mentioned friendship because as I was thinking about our offering, you may be seated. As I was thinking about our offering, I turned to Philippians 4 where it talked about Paul and his friendship with the church at Philippi, that he had helped plant this church with his co-laborers. And there was a special bond and a friendship over the years that developed. And he had received several offerings from this specific church. Even when he was in prison, they supported him. And he was thanking them for their support. And he called their support a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And then he goes on to explain the nature of God when he says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You know, when someone gives my children or my grandchildren a gift, what does that do in my heart? I go, thank you. Thank you. I want to show an expression of gratitude and thankfulness for those people who have given something, even their time, their money, their talent, to someone that I love. And so when we give a gift, 
prayer or financial support to a missionary that grabs the Father's heart like the Schwartzes do. That's what Paul was saying. When my God sees what you have done for me, a missionary, Paul, or for Bill and Gretchen, he will give us abundantly. And just as Bill cautioned, don't do it for the wrong motives. Do it because you love God and you love his anointed who take forth the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we do want to receive an offering for Bill and Gretchen and Rachel and Ryan. And online you can give the hit hit the give now button or if you have cash that you want to give in the offering or a check. CHC, you can write in the memo, Bill Schwartz. Ushers, could you serve us again and receive our offering for our friend, Bill Schwartz? Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com. 